one of them came over because they had asked me and I said, well, I teach meditation and yoga and, you know, I told them what I do. And the guy came over and said to me, if one of your yoga students came and told you that they beat their wife, what would you say? And I was like, you know, in handcuffs facing a corner, like I just looked at him and I was like, well, I would want to speak to him and I would want to speak to the wife as well, because I would want to know why he's in so much pain that he needs to take it out on someone else and why she is in so much pain that she would accept that pain from someone else. And he left. And then after that, I was like, I know who I am. I know what I'm about. I made peace with my life. I made peace with dying in that moment. I'm telling you, Mitch, because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I just said to myself, if this is the way that I'm going out, I accept that. I'm okay with it. That was Jody Handerhan. And this is Pod Sessions with Mitch Fanning. Let's go. I sell products, not advertising. This monkey business is in your blood, under your skin. You're getting now you're just getting in, you're only getting started. People will think what I tell them to think. Oh, have I got your attention now? You have part of my attention. You have the minimum amount. This guy's got the right idea. Why don't we begin? Locked and ready. Bombs away. I always found that you lived a fascinating life. Mm-hmm. Like whenever we would, you know, cross paths, cross yeah. paths, and said, "Oh, I'm doing this." I'm, I'm like, I always felt you know, you lived a pretty interesting life. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that, I think it was, was it, again, correct me if I'm wrong, was it just after high school you went to the care? I know you started in, like you started working down there. I did. That was um, like in 2000. So it was a little while after high school. What happened was at the end of high school, maybe some people know, but don't, I, I kind of had a little crisis, you know, like some people maybe would call it a spiritual crisis. Um, I don't really know health crisis. I, I got sick, I guess you could say. And I was really tired. I just couldn't keep my eyes open. It's basically like I shut down and it's very interesting because it started around 18 years old. And of course I had really good grades and you know, I was supposed to go to university and all this, all this stuff that everybody wants you to do. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt in my mind. Like this is the program. This is what, this is the, you know, this is the deal here. This is what you're supposed to do. So, but something in me was like, no, <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to do that, but I couldn't, I couldn't voice it. I couldn't, um, at that time, I didn't have the courage, I guess, as yet to acknowledge that feeling within me that was like, slow down, take a pause, figure out what you want to do. You know, do you really want to do this? And so instead of, because I didn't have the voice to say that, my system just shut down. So basically, you know, we're getting into a few things here already, but, um, you know, like how everything that is developing in our lives or the results that we're getting are a product of the thoughts and feelings we've been having for a prolonged period of time. Absolutely. Right. So illness and whatever, it's not your body or the system going rogue. It's not like they, you know, they're trying to destroy your cells or your system or I don't care what disease name, any big disease. It's not your system trying to destroy you. It's your system trying to wake you up but we Mm. don't listen and we want, and coupled with that, we've been conditioned and taught that something outside of ourselves is going to bring us the answer. 
the doctor, the pill, the, you know, whatever it is. And I'm not knocking any of those things. I think when you need balance and when you need to get back to the center and you're really far off the center and you, we've not trained and we don't know any of these things, you got to do what you got to do. But once you get back to the center, then what are you going to do? Because, you know, I like this saying of my teacher. He always says, no medicine can clean your mind and no doctor can clean your mind. So if you don't get to the root cause of what has caused this, you're basically just chopping off the branch with the fruit and then you're buying yourself time until the fruit sprouts again, however long that's going to be. So you have to go to the root. So I didn't know all of this at the, obviously at the time, right. but my into I have been this way since I came in here, like since I've been a child, a little bit, just, I don't know. I just spoke differently. I looked at things differently, you know, maybe in the beginning when I would say things or make comments on things, I would see that maybe my opinion wasn't, um, you know, recept, you know, received very well or accepted or maybe ridiculed even. Or, you know, like mm-hmm. Jody Lala in the clouds, you know, with this rainbow world or whatever that you live in. And I'm like, well, I think you create your reality. And, and when I look at your guys' reality, it doesn't look that fun. So I'd prefer to just create my own. And not in some like, you know, isolated escapist kind of way. But I just knew that there was something more. There was something better than this. And so, and, and so all of that together, like I, I observed everyone miserable miserable in their jobs, miserable in their lives, in their marriage, and just a lot of unhappy people I observed. And so all this was kind of weighing on me, if you, if you understand, like in my consciousness, in my thinking, in my feelings. So when I got sick, let's put that in quotes, I, you know, I was tuned in and I always have had this internal voice that we all have, but I could always hear it, you know? whether you choose to listen to it or not is a different story. But um, I knew that it was always right and I knew it was guiding me in the right direction. But like I said earlier, sometimes we don't have the courage to express it or follow through with it, especially when you're young or especially when there's obligations or conditions. Because sometimes you don't know any better. Really? like, Or you, you you've never seen anyone do it. Exactly. Or, or like you said, you, you have this, but you just don't know how to express it or you know, you're just what to do with it, what to do with it. So I shut down, (laughs) we went to all the doctors, you know, all the tests, nothing really was showing up. They're saying depression. I'm not a depressive type person. That's not my personality. Um, you know, I, I just, I still had this thing inside me that was just saying, you're doing this to yourself. Like you have the ability to stop this. You're doing it, but you have to make the decision, like what you want to do. You know, you have to choose and it's not going to be the popular opinion, which is go to university, you know, do all of these things that I was lined up to do. So that was like around 18, 19 years old where you have to make the decision, you know, where are you going to go? And all my friends, I mean, the school that I went to was quite academic and everybody went to university. I think pretty much everyone I know went to school. Well, that, that was, that was the thing, right? And it still is. And to some degree, so basically I had an excuse if you want to look at it that way, to not go to school, you know, like, it's like, I came up with something, my body shutting down, that was like, it was very real, like the symptoms, I'm not saying, you know, I was making it up, I had symptoms, but I'm saying those symptoms were a product of the feelings and the thoughts that I had for a long time. And they just manifested themselves in like, you're not going anywhere, because you don't want to, 
And until you can come to terms with that and make a choice that is in alignment with your best health or your best self or, you know, what you want to do, you're just going to kind of hang here, not feeling too great, you know, watching all your friends and feeling you have no friend. It was a tough time. And so, um, just to say how I got out of that, I went to the library, this is how long ago, and I got some VHS tapes on yoga because I read, because they were saying I might have Epstein-Barr or they try to make up, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome. They try to give you like a label. So, um, so I went and got these DVDs, not DVDs, VHSs, sorry, from the library on yoga because I read that yoga could help with that. And at the same time, I was going part-time to university. I kind of caved. I was like, okay, I was going part-time to Brock and I didn't really like it. Um, and I was also going to a massage therapist, which was also very odd at that time. Like now we think it's just everyone has a massage therapist. Normal. Yeah, but back then it wasn't. Not a lot of people went for massage. Hmm. And I was getting massage and um, a cousin of mine was going to a healer. Again, another term that is like now we're like, okay, healers, but no, we didn't, you didn't really know about healers back then. And I was intrigued and I went with her and I went to see this man and he was from Honduras and he taught Kung Fu and he did, wow. yeah, like acupressure and just energy work. I was fascinating, fascinated. As soon as I went and met him, um, I was like, this guy's going to help me. Like, I know that this guy speaks my language. And I started talking to him and nobody else could understand him. He had a heavy accent. I like accents. I like language. I like connecting with people from the heart, not from your head. So it's most mostly people's head that blocks them from understanding people because they think they have an accent. They speak another language. I don't know that language. I can't communicate with them. But I don't do that. I just say, I want to understand. And then I go in my heart and I can figure out you know how it is. You go somewhere else, you want mm -hmm. to know what the people saying. So are saying. So I connected with him and I was so grateful to have someone that I could speak to with this crazy ideas or this way of thinking that I had. And so this was already, I was probably like 20 or 21, like already two or three years had gone by of this sort of stagnant sort of pause, but all again, good. Like the, a cocoon, you know, like you're waiting to blossom. That's how I see it now. It's like I was sort of, um, you know, conserving my energy and seeing what was going to be the next best step. So this guy just said to me one day, you know, 99% of the swim, the fish swim one way, 1% swim the other way. Which fish do you think you're a part of? Just go find the other 1%. Hmm. There's other people like you. You just aren't around them right now. So this is interesting. It, it that's a lot to unpack, right? Yes, <laughs> but that's great. Uh, it's it seems, and it's it's a very s similar pattern you always hear about, right? Uh, so what's curious is when what I'm curious about is you talked about yoga was that first kind of catalyst. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where and you said you did some like do you do you know like who was. Because you you, know, you had talked about there was no one around you, so how did you how did you decide or where did what source did you kind of hear? Was it a friend? Was it somebody? Because it seems like that was correct me if I'm wrong. That was like the first catalyst 
to kind of opening up this new new path. Yeah. So I'm curious about that. Well, I think there was a few things. I was doing research now. Ask me where. I have no idea. Like books, I guess. I was reading books on chronic fatigue. I am an avid researcher. Anyone you, who knows me and you ask, I have like these intuitive Google fingers that I can find whatever. I don't know how I find stuff that I find. So I was doing it back then just in a different way without Google. And... um I must have been at the library and was reading a book on either Epstein-Barr or chronic fatigue or I really, I really don't remember where I was finding this research or information because you know, internet, what? Like there was like three websites, you know, there weren't very many, but I could have also been online. I really could have, but you know, it was remember dial up. It was slow. Like who knows where, what yeah, I was that, finding. You hear that sound? Yeah. Like... Yeah. That was not good. Or <laughs> <laughs> someone picked up the phone when you, or you picked up the phone when someone was on the internet and you disconnected them. Uh, oh, remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now yeah. we're getting into like the yeah. party lines and all that. <laughs> oh my God. You hear that noise? You're like, this oh shit. This is like shoot, retro 1990. So bad. So I'm so grateful for how we've advanced, but it was fun. I'm glad we know both worlds. So, I was researching somehow and I saw just this yoga, like I saw this word or this, you know, thing that it was like a, a, a system of meditation and exercise and breathing. And so I don't really remember, but I, it, it sparked my interest, obviously. And it was saying right. it was helpful. So then I went from that to find books on yoga at the library. At the library. Yeah. And I was looking at, um, I remember Iyengar was one. He's very about form. And in those books, um, there was uh, always in those older books about meditation. So I also, like at the same time, learned about meditation and started doing meditation from the instructions in the book. So I would just look at the pictures in the book and try to copy the poses. And I liked it. Like I liked the child. I always was athletic. I always liked sports and, you know, movement and um so yeah i would just copy the poses in the book and i like it was i felt good and i felt good meditating so when there were vhs tapes they were a little more rigorous like the tapes that i got i got this power yoga with brian kest it was this if you ever look it up it's so funny he's still a a teacher and i saw him just a couple years ago here in st catherine's and he's amazing teacher amazing teacher so it's so crazy to see him like 30 years later after I started, and he was one of my first introductions to yoga with those first tapes that he released. They were like classics. So power yoga, sweat, tone, like it was like that. And it kicked my butt. Like it was kicking my ass. And I was like, wow, you know, this is hard and weird, you know, like stretching and holding these things. And so, yeah, I just got really intrigued by it. And then like I was saying, all of these pieces come together. The massage therapist that I was going to see, she did yoga with someone here in St. Catharines, like an older person, man, I think. And she was like, you know. Probably in like his house or. It was maybe in Rodman Hall. Like it was in a weird yeah, place. Because that wasn't the thing. In that Never. No. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, no. So I, she said to me, I we started talking about yoga. Like she said, she went to a yoga class and I was like, where is there's yoga around here? Like what? And she said, why don't like, there's not a lot of teachers like yoga teachers. Why don't you be the teacher? Like, why don't you be a yoga teacher? Interesting. Yeah. She was like a little angel, like really. And it's, you know, sparked that little thing. Like, 
hmm, that sounds interesting. So I got on the internet. I did, I remember. And there was only two websites for yoga trainings at that time. I could only find two on the internet. And one was Kripalu and one was Shivananda. And so Kripalu is in Boston or in Massachusetts, Lenox, Massachusetts. Okay. And Shivananda is in a few places, but one is Paradise Island in the Bahamas. So what do you think I chose? <laughs> That's the uh, only reason I chose it. Interesting. Like, I did not research the yoga. I had no idea what yoga they did. I, I didn't know anything. I knew nothing, only the location. And I was like, well, I'd prefer to go to the Bahamas for a month to do training. So I went. So that's maybe also what you're thinking, like when you think of me Caribbean or cruise ships or whatever, because that is how it started, like early 90s, or sorry, late 90s, I went to, I dropped out of university or I finished the semester and said, I'm not going back. And instead of going back for you know the second semester or whatever i went in february for the month of february to the bahamas and got certified to teach yoga wow and i didn't know that story yeah see like, we, we had never dug deep yeah in. this is what this podcast is for is you know getting getting to know your uh, your friends yeah <laughs> isn't that cool so, and like how all of the you know, when you are seeking alignment, when you're seeking clarity and you just take a pause, like you don't force or rush or sometimes even if you do, there are signs and there are people and there are things that come across your path to show you the direction that you want to go. And it's not some big, grand, you know, thing. Sometimes, okay, it is, but mostly it's just the massage therapist mentions yoga or my cousin says she's going to a healer and it you know, you just have to look for that little spark within you and then follow it. What have you got to lose? Just go and see. And then all of those little things that I went to see led to this, 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 and there now I'm here. <laughs> but so where did the, the gentleman, he was from Honduras mm -hmm. where, cause he kind of, you made that, that statement, you know, you know, which fish are you? Yeah. Where was he kind of towards the end before you kind of made that, like before you decided you saw, you know, the the training in the Bahamas, or because was he kind of he was uh, in, I almost saw him as a mentor, you know. Like, he was in the beginning, yes, very much. And I took kung fu. I he made me made me come to kung fu, and I would do wow, qigong. That's, that's and, the old school mm -hmm. stuff. And I mean, he wasn't like he was tough on a lot of people. I got to, you know, I got it a little easier. I had I liked it. I liked the flow. It's beautiful. The the forms and everything and the animal stuff is cool but mostly i did qigong because he would do a healing on me and then say go to qigong class and so i would do it um so he started out that way yes and there was something i really liked it and i liked his system but something i'm a seeker you know i and i and i like to know a lot of different things and i do have to go with what really pulls me or resonates. I'll try it. I'll try whatever, you know, mm -hmm. if it seems cool or what is helpful to me or whatever. But so anyways, why I'm saying that is because he was offering to me to teach me his whole system, like the healing, the Kung Fu and, you know, because old school like that, you study with a mentor under a mentor for years. Like I think he studied right. with his master for 12 years. Okay. So, and even in yoga, like the gurus and you go with your guru and you know, for all these years. And 
something about that never really, never really like caught me. I don't know what it was. I was you didn't just, want to be a Kung Fu master? I, no, I guess not. I mean, pretty cool. That would have been badass, but. That would have been pretty badass. Badass. However. You could have done some, uh, some movies, been an extra. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So imagine my YouTube videos now, Kung Fu master. That would have been cool. But no, I, something about it, I. I don't know what it was because at the same time that I was meeting him, it was the same time I was kind of hearing about yoga and incorporating yoga and going to see him and doing all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I had both of them going on at the same time. And when I said, I I think I'm going to go to yoga teacher's training was kind of when he was saying, well, you know, I will show you this system if you want to know it. And I, something in me was just like, I want to go to that yoga. I want to go to the yoga. Maybe it was when he started asking you to paint his fence, like in the Karate Kid <laughs> and doing all this. You kind of just, wait a minute, I've already seen this movie. But what's interesting, if we almost take a step back, because <clears throat> what I'm, what I'm kind of sensing or, or getting from all of this is, you know, you, you, you knew that there was a problem mm-hmm. and, you know, you knew that there were what you were seeing around you, the people, you didn't want to go that path. You didn't want to go down that route. And you realize that university, which is kind of the, it's, it's the thing that people, it's almost, it's the opposite of being self-directed, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's being, here's what you do next. Mm -hmm. And it's the, it's the expected route. Mm -hmm. You became, self-directed and that was kind of based on your intuition mm-hmm. and that's interesting because i think a lot of that i think there a lot of people don't value being self-directed or they they don't take the time mm-hmm. to look you know into themselves and, and realize okay there's a there's kind of a conventional path but what's the path that i want to create for myself mm-hmm. and kind of take that step back be self-directed use your intuition and then go from there and it's it's interesting you did that and then all of these you know it's almost like the hero's journey mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you you kind of left the unknown and then all of a sudden you, you you saw the mentor, you, you, you got some friends, you started going down and it was a little unknown, it was a little scary, but mm-hmm. all along the way, things started to fall into place and then, you know, lo and behold, you go to this training. Mm-hmm. So when you went to this training, when did you know, like again, and maybe you knew before that, but was there any... So if if you went to the training, did you kind of did you realize, wow, this is it? Like this is what what I did. It, did that kind of, or were you still in the process of just kind of deciding? Um, you know, I never thought about it like that before. If I knew, or what I knew was, this was my frequency. I like to think of frequency and vibration. Everything is energy, and. Mm-hmm. W- whether people know that or not, they know it, whether something resonates, you know, whether it gives you a good feeling, bad feeling, we have to tune in more to that because I, I feel like that is what you're talking about going back, you know, to the unknown or your inner guidance. It's, 
it seems scary. Like that's why people don't do it because they think that the defined or the known path is less scary, but it isn't necessarily because if you're not in resonance with it and you feel terrible or you, you, you don't know what you're doing, why you're doing what you're doing, that's scary too. I think that that's more scary or more uncomfortable for people to think that this is the route that I'm supposed to go and I'm not feeling good about it. But look at everyone else seems to be working or, you know, they got a car, they got a house, they got vacations, they got whatever they got, you know, so I think that to me, I, I think we're just not taught how to value or listen to our own emotions and then what to do with them. That's the other thing, because you can just live in that quiet, you know, misery that I was seeing all around me or you can take that scary step. So, um, that I just wanted to touch on that. So when I was there, all I knew was it felt good. Like it felt good. The people felt like they were happy and they wanted to be there and there was a purpose and it was a, like a higher purpose in some kind of a way. Not that any purpose is, is good or bad. I'm not trying to judge what people choose to do if it's spiritual or material or I, it's okay. I'm not saying that, but I just felt like there was a connection that I really, really resonated with. And whether that's like God or the universe or whatever you want to say, ultimately it's with yourself. So getting quiet so that you can have that connection with yourself. And that was valued and a priority in this environment. And that I was like, I, this is where I belong. This kind of a place. Yeah. This kind of a place. So if, uh, and then again, so yes, I knew it was for me. I didn't know what would happen from here or whatever, because yoga was not popular and not well-known, but I just, I knew that if I could bring this to people, like if I could bring this feeling or this experience or to others, that would be very good. You know, I didn't play it all out. I didn't have the whole plan sure. or anything like that. But I just knew that by me coming here, I, I always have kind of known that like people are doing what they can do. They're doing their best. So if one person or two people are a few people have courage or whatever you want to call it and just go and break the mold, then they can come and help the people that are still in the mold be better in the mold. Like they can stay in the mold. It's okay, but you want to enjoy it. So if you want to choose that life, here's some things that you can do that you can still listen to yourself and feel good while you're doing that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying everybody's got to go do yoga and go to yoga retreat and get out of here and quit your job. And I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying you can meld those things and still be happy where you're, you should be happy anywhere. Yeah. And it's interesting. And I, I look at it at the, in the same, maybe seeing it differently is that you, if, if you, if you go to university and you go the the, conf- the conventional path and you're happy, that's great. Like, yeah, that's awesome. It's kind of the the people that go that route realize, like you did at a young age, that you're not happy, and then they just kind of get stuck. They're they're kind of just, and, and, or they complain, and then it's like, well, you know, we'll do something about it. Mm-hmm. So. I guess for those kind of people, you know, you, what did, what was it that you did at a young age that kind of started like what, what, I guess, advice, if you want to label it, 
would you give people who are kind of in that, okay, I am unhappy. I realize I'm unhappy, but I'm just scared shitless to do, to do something. Mm-hmm. What, what have you kind of told people? Because you're really good at giving advice. It's mm-hmm. kind of what you do. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just listening to your other interviews, you've been doing it all your life. What do you typically tell people? This is a big box. <laughs> yeah, so we got to start to unravel yeah, this. Yeah, it's good, it's good. It depends. Um, you know, I like to speak in the language that people can understand. Depends on where they're at. So if it's somebody that's really closed, you know, or conventional or whatever, the first thing that um, is important, I think, to teach people or for people to realize is that we've got it twisted about what where we think our enjoyment or our pleasure or happiness comes from. That's the first thing. So we are taught or we observe or whatever condition that it's external circumstances that change the internal state. So the first teaching that I am telling people, yeah, is that it's the other way around. You've got, we've all got it twisted. And so that's what is contributing to the majority of the unhappiness and the disillusion and all of that stuff. And I know we, we are very connected now. We have a lot of information and, and, and what I notice is people get it intellectually. People get it. They'll say like, I know the new car and the new job and the new partner and the, this and that can't, don't bring me happiness. Like they know it somehow, but yet they still strive for something externally to change the internal mood. Maybe not a thing, but even a person or, you know, their partner or what the person is saying to them. There's always, when people come to me, when I notice the unhappiness or when I'm speaking to people, the first thing I can usually pinpoint or I see by the way they talk or the stories that they're telling, it's the fingers pointing outwards. And it's always some outside thing that is, you know, the big bad wolf or the government or the rules or the job or the partners, this or the that or whatever, make it up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pick a thing. Um, and that's why they can't be happy. So the first thing is breaking that illusion because n- it's wrong. It's totally wrong. And, and, and also, you know, what I notice for most people and this, again, I think we had the conversation before, we're not taught this from small that the most important thing is to value yourself and to have self-love and to check in about your self-worth. Like deep, because I'm also noticing in this time that we're in, that we were talking earlier, this weird sort of social media time and whatever, a lot of people have a very good opinion of themselves. Like they think that they're good or they know they're this or they know they're that, but they don't have a lot of self-love. It's different that if you value Mm. and love yourself and having a good opinion of yourself can be two different things. How do you think it's different? Well, because we've separated from the heart and the mind. So like I'm saying, intellectually, you know, well, I'm a good person. I do this, I do that. But this worthiness, like if there is still an element of looking outside for some kind of approval or worthiness through the things that you have or the acts that you're doing, you've got it twisted. You're, it's never going to be enough. It is an empty hole that you can never fill. Absolutely. So until, and we've all, you know, we, I see lots of people, we've all have that element of that little guy, the little girl in there that 
doesn't feel worthy or valuable. And even just thinking about that, even just connecting and seeing if that could be true or, you know, if anything happened in the ch- in your childhood, or if anyone said anything, we don't remember even sometimes what affected us at what time. And, and then subsequently, what conclusions we made from a three-year-old self, four-year-old self, five-year-old self, six, mm-hmm. with limited life experience, what conclusions and decisions did we make at that point that have now affected our whole life? crazy that's crazy to think yeah, about it and is when that's so that's what i'm saying when people it's a big thing to start to unpack this if i'm unhappy with my job or with what i'm doing we have to really like if you're ready we gotta go there like you gotta just pull it all out you gotta go back you gotta really be a self-stalker that's what i like stalk myself mm-hmm. be aware that's of, interesting i like that yeah i do be a i'm, I'm a self-stalker because it's, <laughs> it's the best like you to be aware of yourself and so because if you want to move from unconscious creation or creating your life unconsciously or by default, which is what most people are doing to becoming a deliberate creator or a conscious creator of your life. You, you have to understand the things that are limiting you, or at least know that you have things that are limiting you. And so this whole teaching is understanding those things that you've got it probably twisted, even if it's subtle, even cause it's sneaky. It can be sneaky. Like you can be so smart and know, you know, my new car is not going to bring me happiness, a partner, a change of job. Like, but there's still things that we are seeking outside of ourselves that we think are going to give the approval that we need to say that we're valid. You know, even if say, for instance, I work a lot with people on their relationships because that really messes with us in life. That seems to be the crux of everyone. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter, you know, what you do. Doesn't matter if you have a relationship and there's issues it's a big deal, you know, for most people. So it's a good, it's a good, it's a good mirror. It's a good, um, way to look at ourselves. So a lot of people will come and, you know, it's still looking for this validation from another or like, say, you know, you come home, your partner's in a mood and then people will say to me, well, we were going out and then they said this or did this and it ruined the night. It ruined my whole night. That happens to me. And my wife. <laughs> so I'm like, that's not true. You ruined your night. Nobody ruined your night but yourself. You don't have to pick up what someone else is putting down. And I'm pretty, st- I can be a little bit stern because I. we need to work on this. We need to get it if we want to eliminate suffering, if we want to have the maximum enjoyment. I mean, do whatever you want to do, but how does that feel? And how does it feel not only to you, but how does it also feel as a partner or in a partnership, you know, when you're the one in the mood or when you're the one observing the mood. Now, when you're in a mood, you know, it's almost like who knows what the mood is for, but let's make it up. Say it's like self-criticism or, you know, you're in a mood, insecurity. I don't know. Now, do you think it makes it better as your partner to be critical and angry and, you know, what? What's your problem? What did I do? I didn't do anything. You know, no, you didn't. So what has it got to do with you? It has nothing to do with you. The only thing that it has to do with you is you're in the same space and you are supposed to, let's not say supposed to, but you are choosing to be this person's loving partner, Mm. apparently. You're a loving friend or a loving partner, right? So as a loving friend or partner, I mean, if you can drop the ego that this is about me and it hasn't, because, but that's two insecurities because what my point was going to be is that if you're in a partnership and your partner's in a mood and the, and you 
both obviously are attracted or on the same frequency for a reason and say, let's say the issue is insecurity because that's a common one. Now this guy's in a mood or this girl's in a mood. The other one has insecurity too. Now my validation or my source of happiness or, you know, worth has somehow gone wonky, has gone funny now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a priority. Show me I'm valuable. Show me I'm worthy. Hey, what are you doing? Why are you taking your attention away from me? Why are you being mean? Why are you in a, you know what I'm saying? It's like this little guy gets all worked up like, what the hell are you doing? You're supposed to dote on me. You're supposed to be my friend. You're, you know, you don't have the right to have your own feelings or experiences that feel bad to me. You know, it's, it's bullshit. It's not, when you look at it like that, you think, oh, wow, yeah. Okay. So if someone's in a mood, instead of jumping all in personally for a second, maybe you did do something, but let's not even go there first. Let's take a pause. You take a breath and you say, the only reason that someone would be acting sideways is pain. That's the only reason. The only reason why someone would be mean or would someone would be in a mood or whatever is because they're in pain in some kind of way. So if you say that you're their friend, or if you say you're a loving partner, or if you say you care about this person, what would you do when someone's in pain? Would you kick them? Would you push them? Would you? No, you wouldn't. You would say, is everything okay? Yeah. yeah. Are you okay? And you know what? If the person's pissy and like, because people say, I tried that and you know, I get a lot of feet bounce back or push back from yeah. people. You know, I tried that. It doesn't work. I'm like, yeah, okay. There's a lot more other reasons because you have judgments on that person. Soon as they go like that, you have a judgment. So now you're telling a story in your head, even if you have flowery words, like, oh, honey, are you okay? If you're judging over here, people can feel that. So you've got to clean up your own mess before you even approach this person. If you truly want to connect, if you are, you know, you don't know what to do, it's best just to pause, take a break, go breathe. And you know what? Probably that person will come find you because now they can feel like there's no pressure on me to be happy or to make you happy or to be responsible for your feelings. So they've given me a space. So now let me connect with this person that I do love and I want to tell my issues to, or I want to, you know, tell them I was stressed or whatever. Well, it's interesting because what I got from that was when Again, w- one of the things that I've learned from meditation, and it's it's not something that everyone, but is that the thoughts aren't going to go away and not to push them away. But when you see them, just like a cloud would go by, you, y- you could acknowledge it and then let it go. Mm-hmm. And even if the whole time you're meditating, you're thinking, if you separate yourself from that thought, and go, okay, this one went by, and then, okay, here's another one, but you just keep letting them go by. And again, it's, it's, it's separating yourself from the thought. What you, what you had said, you know, why would, you don't have to pick up something that someone has given, you know. You, Putting you can, down. You, yeah, they put it down there. You don't have to pick it you up. You don't have to pick it up. No. I like that. It's almost like when you're in that moment, you know, being like you, like I, I am when I'm meditating, somebody mm-hmm. gives me that i can let it pass and um and then you know go from there but don't don't kind of pick that up so it's interesting you said that and i was just thinking about that that's th- it. i think that that's it. i just want to touch on it because that's exactly right and i think that you're illustrating to people in a very practical and real way how meditation really works you're practicing non-reaction 
That's it, non-reaction. And that's really, really important. In any moment, if you can take a pause, and that's what meditation is teaching you, just because these thoughts are coming doesn't mean I have to follow them. Or even what happens when I follow them? Oh, wait, I got all lost down the track. I don't know what's going on. You know, or okay, that was fun. You know what I mean? You have to play, you have to experiment. But when you're just getting inundated and you're not taking any pause or notice or reflection or observation, like I said about being a self-stalker, you don't know what the heck's going on in there. And you don't know what you're creating. Like I said, an unconscious by default creator because your thoughts and your feelings and your words are creating, but nobody's really aware of that. And then it makes all of this mess. So if we can pause, take a little bit of step, practice the muscle, like I call it a muscle, you know, you're working your consciousness muscle, your mental muscle. If I give you like a 50 pound weight at first to do curls, you can't do it. It's heavy. I mean, maybe you could, but you know, at, at me in 20 pounds, but after like a week, you can, or two weeks, I mean, not very long, actually, you can start doing the curl or you have been training for running. You know, you're not going to go tomorrow and run a marathon, but if you make up, you could, but you'd hurt. But if you make a plan and practice and slowly go along that plan, all of a sudden you can run a marathon, not all of a sudden, but you know what I mean? It seems like that. It's like you've gone progressively. So it's the same thing. Meditation is like practice you're like practicing, you know, you're taking, there's a lot of good things, okay, about meditation. But it's one thing is you're kind of taking a pause, you're practicing to give yourself space between action and reaction in your daily life. And that is so valuable because most of us don't, don't have it, don't do it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's kind of like you're, sometimes you have to just go through the motions and realize that if you're going if you're going to do something it's going to be hard and not and so i mean hard by you you're not getting this ideal outcome that you thought so for example with meditation sometimes i'll go a week straight i'll meditate 20 minutes a day in the morning and every single session i'm thinking about something mm-hmm. and i accept that and I'm I'm not in this enlightenment state. I don't see these blue colors. I don't, <laughs> I'm not in, you know, in harmony with the world. And this kind of goes back to, you know, people getting out of that rut. I think what a lot of people str- don't realize is that to to get what you, and I've been thinking about this a lot. To get whatever it is that you want, and it could be internal, it could be it could be spiritual. It doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. You you most of the time, and this is just my my kind of gauge on it. You almost and, and I'll use the word success, and that's kind of a uh, a scary because it, it could be it's arbitrary, and you have to define what success means to you. But you know, most successful people do things even when they don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. So in other words, going back to the med- meditation, I meditate every day, even though three, four days in a row, I it, it felt like I wasn't doing it properly. Mm-hmm. I continue. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, you know, they, they have to feel like, well, if the t- when the timing's right, or, you know, when something when I'm feeling like it or when someone gives me permission mm-hmm. or when these things when I occur, learn how to do it right, when I learn how to, you know, do it right, 
then I'll do it. And, and that's the thing I've, I've, you know, even with myself, cause it's hard, right? It's mm-hmm. it, even with myself, it's, it's hard to start something new. Like I started this podcast. Mm-hmm. I went through the whole pro- process of like, it's gotta be perfect. Mm-hmm. And then I realized just do it, just start, just go through the process. It's not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably listen to this a year from now and cringe, <laughs> but that's okay. So it's interesting like that. Like I said, it's, I think most people don't realize that it, they have to be, and we talked about this last time, they have to be, uh, It's and it could be different with pain, just accept kind of the struggle, which turns into, you know, I'm not sure if that, I know that's, we've had, we were, we were talking about this last week, yeah. but that's kind of, you know, where I've got with, I've gone with it. Well, consistency and commitment, I mean, produce results. So if you're committed to something and then you're consistent with it, you're going to get results. Like it, you know that that's true. Everyone, like it, professional athletes, whatever. I'm sure if you ask them, they don't want to go practice every day. But if you, like I'll say to people, you know, oh, I like this analogy. I have all these different analogies because, you know, you got to make it in different ways and flowery ways for people to understand or relate to. And, uh, you know, I'll ask people what they want, you know, and sometimes it's material. Yeah, people have material wants or they need, you know, a certain salary or a certain title or whatever. And like I said, I don't care what you want. It's all good. You can want whatever you want. doesn't matter. You can, you, and you can have whatever you want. You can have whatever you want because that you are the, conscious creator it's only your own limitations in your mind your own conditioning that blocks you from even maybe seeing the path or the step to take so but mostly when you ask people what they want it is an emotional thing they want peace or they want happiness or mm-hmm. they want you know i just want peace of mind or i just want to i just want to feel calm you know that's a lot of answers i get like i just want peace a lot of people say peace happiness yeah people want to be happy um, like from stress or whatever it is. So I'm saying, okay, well, that's a state. Like it's a definable state. There are qualities that go along with that state. And it's almost like, you know, there's a recipe. So when I say to people, like you say you want this, but then if you check your actions and your words and your thoughts and your feelings and your interactions, do those add up to peace? Like you can't say you want something like I want a chocolate cake. This is my little analogy. And then you have a recipe for chocolate cake, you know, you, okay. You can fudge around a little bit with it, but you know what you need. You can't put sawdust in and I think people are going to like your crappy chocolate cake or you're not going to like, it. I mean, you might force yourself to eat it, but you know, you freaking put sawdust in it or olives, you know, like those ingredients don't go in. So if you want peace, I know it's not just like snap the fingers and change. Can be. Like it could be that easy. Yeah. It's di- it's difficult for most people, I would say. That's why we have tools and, you know, spiritual technology or however you want to get. I like how my teacher calls it that spiritual technology, which means like breath work. There are things that you mantra. There's things that you can use because, you know, like we've been talking about, it's not the norm in this world. It's not the taught way. So you have to seek it or you have to find things that can give you a little boost or help you or meditate 20 minutes a day or whatever it is to kind of 
help you to see how you can start to put in the right ingredients. Because if you say you want peace, you can't be yelling every day at your kids or, you know, with your partner or feel this internal storm all the time. You know, that doesn't equal peace. I'm sorry. Like, good luck with that. Exactly. If you say you want something, then you can do it all the different ways, you know. But I like it saying, if you define the end result, then you back up from that and then put in the... Yeah, and then put in the right ingredients. It's not that hard, you know. If you say, I want peace, then I was talking with one of my um, friends and clients about this. I was saying, like, you know, if you're very reactive and you want peace, you have to... Practice the pause. If you're going to meditate, if you're going to do a breath, you know, every day that gives you that pause. And then in any situation, you have to ask yourself, how would peace be? How would peace react to this? I say I want peace, or I say I want joy, or I say I want happiness, or I say I want wealth. How would wealth react to this? Like what would, right? So it's like, you know, there are universal laws. This is a part of a law. You know, there's laws that happen here, which I'm saying that not mysteriously, but meaning like if you try something on for size long enough, it beca- you're it. Like there's, it's a law. Like you're going to be that. If you act as if and align your thinking and your feelings on the vibration frequency track of the thing that you say you want, you have to get it. Like it, that's how it works here. It's, you know, energy, like I'm saying, but the electricity, that's your mind and the magnet, that's your heart. So your thoughts and your feelings, the seeds and the water, however you want to say it, you're putting that out there in your field because everyone has an electromagnetic field, an energetic field that you're emanating. So you're putting that out into your field long enough it has to crystallize into matter. That's just how the laws work. It is. Yeah, if you want, you need to be first. Yes. And so that's the that's the sort of rub, I guess, for most people because they are focused on what is, like what is showing up, what is the truth, what are the facts? And I am so not about the facts because I know that what is showing up, see, that's also where it gets a little, where people are like, mm, you're sort of, you know, just ignoring or burying your head or escaping or whatever. I'm like, no, I'm creating what I want because if I see these results and I don't like them, I know that somehow I participated in the creation of these results. And because they're showing up now, that means they're already past. It's already a product of the past. We're already moving past this. You know what I mean? It's come from what was before is what's showing up now is what was before. So if I'm aware of that, if I want something different to show up in the future, I have to shift what I'm doing right now that caused these facts or this truth to show up right now. But what most people do is look at the facts and truth, keep focusing on it because if it's a problem or if it's not wanted, they focus, 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 and all they're doing is dragging that along with them into the future mm-hmm. and thinking then making the false false conclusion that mm, that's life. That's the way it is. And, and it's not like you're just saying this because you've, You've gone, I mean, we all have, but you've gone through, you know, some challenges. Uh, and we said that we would, we would keep the, the Mexico story <laughs> for the podcast. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I guess we can say a little bit of it if you, well, I had a crazy experience in Mexico. Yeah. yeah and that, and so my, I guess my point in bringing up the, the incident is that <laughs> you, it's something that would be very traumatic to anybody. Mm-hmm. And 
you probably brought all of the things that you've learned all through the years to bear to to embrace it and to and to you know get to the other side. Mm-hmm. So without any further I'm going to let you cuz we had said we were going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. What do you want to know? What do you want to know? Well, I lived in Mexico. You lived in Mexico? I did. Mm-hmm. For a year or 8 months or 9 months. And there was an incident that mm-hmm. you said. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you in your own words kind of talk about that. Okay. Sure. So let's talk about it also in the way to say that exactly what you're saying, that I have 20 years or whatever I had under my belt. So also when people are wanting to make a change or or, um, move gracefully through the challenges of life, it takes a little bit to build up, you know, this foundation. It can be rocky, you know, you have to do, that's why consistency and commitment, because then you can rely on it. You know, if you've built a strong foundation Absolutely. and it doesn't mean like seven hours a day or two hours a day, even one hour a day, it could be 20 minutes a day, but you need to have some kind of foundation to withstand gracefully these rocks that you're going to get in life. Because there are always things that we're not aware of, like these patterns that I'm telling you that we have ingrained in us or, you know, yeah, we're just not aware. We're not aware of everything. We have, you know, only 10% that we see and 90% that we don't see. Even, you know, in the light spectrum, when I'm looking at you, I, I know your heart is pumping and your brain's working and all, but I can't see that, but I don't deny that it's happening. So there's a lot that we don't see. So um, it can be activated, it can be, you know, different things contributing and then stuff happens, you know, and people would say, well, that's life. And, you know, sucks to be me, but it's not that. If you take your power, so I'm saying like all of these things have helped me to empower myself regardless of the situation and then to take, not control, it's not control, but it's empowerment, an empowering way to see what I'm gonna do next or how I'm going to um, use this for my growth because that's what everything is for to me. It's for our expansion and our growth, not to destroy us, not to, you know, it's for our growth. Everything Absolutely. to me, I believe everything is good. Like, you know, there is no good and bad people will say, but to me, the world is good. Like, that's what I choose to believe that everything is good. It's all about perspective, right? Yes. And so, and the, you know, look it up in science, the observer affects the particle. So if I believe that it's good and I'm looking at things, it's good. You know, even when it's bad, you mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? I can find the nugget or I can find the 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 way to use this for my growth or my expansion. And I'm just saying all this preamble because I would not, um, <laughs> it's not like we need a big crisis situation to put all of our practices into work. No, I'm, uh, you know, not saying that at all. <laughs> what I will say is I love Mexico. I really do love Mexico. It is a beautiful country. There's so much beauty there and so many beautiful people. Um, I really, really love it. I've been so many times, even after the incident, I've been back several times. Um, and I'm going back in the summer or this summer again. Uh, but there's a lot of corruption, you know, there's a lot of, and it starts right from the very head. So, you know, it's difficult. And, and when you come from a country, thankfully, and we maybe take it for granted where you're generally presumed safe, you know, like you, you were safe. Like you, you don't look over your shoulder everywhere. You know, we walk down the street or, and, and so what I'm getting at as well is 
generally, thankfully in Canada too, if you were to call upon the authorities or the police or whatever, most of us here feel like they're going to help. Like they're there to, you know, you're not thinking that they're going to be the ones that are going to do something to you generally. I would assume, right? That most people. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I grew up. So, um, you know, in Mexico, here I am in Mexico and I started having some feelings. Like I did start having some uncomfortable feelings there. Um, like, because I was noticing in the building that I lived in, it was a vacation type rental. So it was mostly transient people. There were not transient, you know what I mean? Like people moving through all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not like people there for a prolonged period of time, even though there were long-term rentals, but not many. So it was like more like a tourist. And where we were was right on the main strip where there's a lot of eyes. There's a lot of, you know, observation. So, um, so yeah, when you're there and you're, sort of prominent, like uh, in a prominent area and being seen all the time, people, I think, start to notice you. But you don't know that. You don't know that people are watching you. You know what I mean? You might not know. I didn't really kind of know. But I was having a weird feeling also about the security of my own building. Because these guys, like, you know, they work 12 hours. They're paid, I think, you know, not much at all. They're not trained in any kind of security. It's just a job you know? So I was having this weird feeling like that the security of my building wasn't maybe secure or that someone could just give them a hundred bucks and they would let them into wherever. I just started feeling weird, I will say. And, um, and so I was looking for a new place and so funny because I did take an action. You know what I mean? I did take an action. I felt it. And I thought I was taking an action, which was move you know, and it was coming up in the end of the month. So I was going to go live in a new place, um, you know, the next start of the next month. So I did secure somewhere and working on, you know, the contract and all of that. So it was in motion. But in that little interim, (laughs) that little two weeks or three weeks, there was a weird, like the details of the whole thing, it probably isn't necessary, but because it's a long, it is a long story how, you know, it was sort of like a trap. It was almost like a job. I was dating someone that was Mexican, that was from Mexico, and we were together, and you know, we lived in the apartment together, and um, yeah, it was basically, I think, more targeting him. If if people there, not people, if certain people there think you have something, it's almost like you're a target to take it. Right, it can be so. That's what was happening. It was an observation, a certain business that he was doing, you know, buying and selling things, which was totally legit and is something he loved to do. But it could appear that you have a lot, you know, even though that's just, you know, a little hobby and a little, little money maker, but it's not some big, you know, you're making millions. And people perceive and they, they see an opportunity. Yeah. At least we, you know. Yeah. So basically, the um, a, a, a branch of the police system there, the judiciales, I guess they're known as the most corrupt ones there. I'd, I didn't know anything about it. Um, basically, falsely arrested us or took us. So basically, kidnapped, but you know, arrested us and stole all of our stuff. <laughs> took all the cars, you know, motorcycle, uh, four wheeler. Um, my computer stuff out of our apartment and held us in like a 
jail, you know, I don't know what it is, a holding place for two days. So it was very weird and odd and scary. Um, I didn't know that they were police at first because they didn't have uniforms on and, you know, they were very obviously aggressive and, you know, angry and just in a heightened state. And so at first I was very, of course, scared and, and, um, and not knowing what to do. You know, I didn't really know what to do. And my Spanish, thankfully, I understood Spanish quite well, but there was some things that I didn't understand, like jail words. Like, I don't understand, you know, those kind of words. So sure. when I was asking them, like, where are you taking me? And they were saying, la celda, which is the cell, like a cell. I was hearing la selva, which is the jungle. So I wow. was freaking out. Like I was freaking out. Like, you know, like, yeah, where are you taking me? And they're saying the cell, I guess. And I was hearing the jungle. So I was like, no, you know, whatever. I was trying to say, you know, I'm from Canada. I was saying all this stuff. You know, I don't even know what I was saying. They don't care. They didn't care. They just wanted whatever they wanted. And so then I realized, you know, they were taking me from my building, like out front of our building, this happened to their building, but I didn't know this. And so I remember seeing something that was like, if someone's taking you, don't let them take you from location one to location two. Like you do whatever right. you got to do to get out of the vehicle, the, the capture in location one, like, you know, you, you get out. So I would try, like I, w I was handcuffed and I was trying to uh, undo the back door. It was like a, an unmarked car, like tinted and unmarked. The door was child, you know, the back door was, it was a police car or whatever it was. I couldn't get out the back door. So I tried to crawl through the front and get out the front door because they were doing stuff, yelling and outside of the car. I didn't know what was going on. So I was trying to get out, but they caught, they saw what I was doing and then that wasn't good. They weren't happy about that. So tighten my handcuffs and this is for real, all of that stuff. And so it took me to the next location and um, I, I still, they, they were saying that they were the police somehow, but I didn't still believe them because the place they took me was crazy. I thought it was a kidnapper house. I was like, I'm in a kidnapper house. I don't know what this place is. It was weird, like an office type thing, but computers on the ground, TVs on the ground, you know, a Jesus candle lit over there. I was like, what is going on here? Really? I could hear a TV somewhere. I could hear kids somewhere. I could hear a woman somewhere. I was like, what is going on? And then they, I mean, they put me in a corner. They told me not to make a sound, you know, be quiet face the corner, you know, my hands were, um, were like going numb and I couldn't really, I didn't know what to do. So I was doing all the tricks, like I, all the stuff that I've learned, all the prayers, all the help, all the, whatever it was, I was calling upon whatever I knew and, and within me too, you know, like, who am I? Like, who really am I in this moment? So that it, they would come and like, you know, try to harass me a little bit, not touch me, you know, thankfully a lot worse could have happened. I know really like me not actually sure, being yeah. here, but, um, in that moment, uh, they would come and ask me questions, how to say my name. I thought that they were 
you know, trying to prepare some kind of extortion of someone because they were asking my name and what did I do? And, you know, what do people call me and all these weird questions. So, um, this is, this is, this is also very interesting. So in the, cause this is a interesting part of the story in that questioning and weird, and I didn't know where I was and I couldn't ask anything and I had to be quiet. This one of the guys and, and one of the worst ones, because there were a little gang of them or a group of them and two were really intense. Like you could see that they were the, the most out there, you know, not connected so much to light. I could see in the eyes that it was very dark and I hadn't really seen that before. So it was a little scary because when you experience that, you're like, hmm. what is this? You know, it's very odd. Um, just very, very unconscious, very, very unconscious people. So, um, the, one of them came over and because they had asked me and I said, well, I teach meditation and yoga and, you know, I told them what I do. And, um, and so, and counseling or whatever I said, coaching, I don't know. And the guy came over and said to me, if one of your, like out of the blue, like every woman, I don't know what they were doing. He came over to the location where I was and said, if one of your yoga students came and told you that they beat their wife, what would you say? Wow. Yeah. And I was like, you know, in handcuffs facing a corner, like I just looked at him and I was like, well, I would want to speak to him and I would want to speak to the wife as well, because I would want to know why he's in so much pain that he needs to take it out on someone else and why she is in so much pain that she would accept that pain from someone else. And then he was like, I'm going to come back and talk to you after. And I was like, okay. And he left. And then after that, I was like, I know who I am. I know what I'm about. I made peace with my life. I made peace with dying in that moment. I'm telling you, Mitch, because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I just said to myself, I'm good. Like I've done good. I, you know, I'm happy with myself. If this is the way that I'm going out, I accept that. I'm okay with it. And I know. And I, it was the strength though. It turned me in the corner and that like it turned me the corner for me in that moment because I, I knew that I wasn't going out like that. I just knew. I said, this isn't the way that I'm going out. And if I am who I say I am, the light wins. This doesn't win. This can't win. It can't. So, and look at in this moment, even this is what I do. This is what I'm called to do. This is what is, is being put in front of me, still being me, authentically me in this crazy situation, bringing light. So I was like, okay, I'm, I know who I am. And, you know, it took a little moment because I thought of my daughter and I could cry on that one because it took me a moment to get over that she would be okay, that, mm -hmm. you know, she's not mine and I've had the time with her and if, the, you know, if, if she's going to be okay and she has all the people around her. And I did the whole, I had to do the whole mental thing of acceptance and, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. And then I was in peace. I was calm. And in that moment after that, they basically ignored me for the rest of the time. Someone came and saw that I couldn't, uh, my hands were like getting weird. They undid my handcuffs. They took me and put me in a little room, like a, a separate room. There were cells. I didn't even still know where I was. I didn't know that they were the police. I still didn't know. 
I didn't know there was a part with like disgusting cells. And there was like this little office room with like a couch and cockroaches and whatever. They put me in this little room and just left me there and didn't touch me, didn't, you know what I mean? Like basically I was just there and I just continued to do my stuff and, you know, do my best to stay calm. And, um, I I don't know. It was a few hours before I, what happened was my partner at the time was on the phone with his best friend as this commotion was going on and said, if you don't hear from me or hear from us, this is who they say they are. And please look for us. Like, please look for us. Mm, And so, yes. So all of these, you know, things that helped us, uh, tremendously. So that best friend looked for us, went and looked for us. And so around sometime in the evening, like the sun was going down, you know, I was in this. How many days was this? Two days. Two days. So this was the first day, the first afternoon that friend came in through the front door. I could see, like I had a little window, so I would like spy, you know, like go and look what these guys are doing. And I didn't know still what this was. There was a desk and a guy sat at the desk and then these guys would come in and out and they would be rowdy. And, you know, I didn't know what was happening, but I heard a voice, like a voice asking for our names. And so I peeked out the window, my little window, and I started motioning and he saw me and I I felt like such tremendous relief. You know, he brought water, he brought a pizza. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to eat anything in here, but he brought us food. He brought me a sweater because I was in also little clothes. Like I was wearing little, it was Mexico, it was super hot. I was hanging out at my house. Like I had little shorts, little shirt. I didn't feel comfortable. And he brought a sweater and, but still we didn't get out. And they told him to go away. Once they saw that he was like motioning with me, they told him to go away and, um, you know, come in the morning or come tomorrow. So how was this all resolved? Yeah. So um, thankfully also that friend called my partner's parents and his mother and aunt came directly right away that night on a plane or I don't know, I guess they took a plane. And they, when I saw who came in the morning, so I had a whole night there in that, room and you know i still didn't know what was going on um i saw them come in and they started talking so i knew you know somebody was working on our behalf out there so i guess what had happened was they made up a story that we were some uh manufacturing fake pink slips or you know for cars and and buying and selling cars or something some something they made up so to justify taking all of this stuff. But really they just stole, like we're stealing all of the stuff. So right, when so his ca- mom showed up, up a, a, sto- a story a, to, to, justify to justify it. And then in, on the flip side, they were kind of lying, taking all your, your yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And so the mom um, is, is a journalist and has a lot of connections. And she called someone who called the head of this department. And so that guy was like, where's, I don't see a record of all the stuff that you confiscated you know where's the record this is me secondhand i don't know what was really said but this is the information we got is that they stole took the stuff and didn't put it in the impound lot what would be you know um the same as an impound lot here you know if you confiscate the stuff from someone they put it somewhere as the police to hold it or i don't know how it works but you know what i mean they didn't do that so the guy was like where's the stuff that this person is saying that you took from their their house or their place and they were like oh yeah we just didn't register i don't know what happened so apparently it was a big deal within the it, it 
could have went undetected. And who knows what would have happened with us or where we would have gone or what, what would have happened. I think still, I think pay to get out. That's basically the game. It's like right. they take you, they make up a thing. Then they say it costs us much to get out basically. And we still had to pay to get out. Took two days. Most people um, pay and get out within hours. I don't know about expat. I don't know about foreign people sure. or how it works. But what I observed in there, because I did get moved from the little room to the cell at one point, and I was chanting and I was doing my meditations. And I, I know that they just didn't want to touch me. They didn't want to come near me because I maybe was looking crazy or whatever. I don't know what energy I was holding, but I was now strong. Like I just wanted to get out of there. But I was doing all of my stuff. I didn't care. Singing, you know. All, all quietly, but I was doing sure. my, my thing to keep myself in a nice state. And so I did get put in the, in the cell and I observed the sort of routine. Like they would bring some, and I had a little jail friend. I met a girl in there that kind of gave me information. She like was also falsely, they took her in the middle of the night. It was like, she was finishing her waitress job and um, they put, someone put a, like a black hood over her head and took her in a car and took her somewhere like to a different uh, holding place and said to her that she was, they showed her picture, took off the thing and showed her these pictures and said she was the girlfriend of this drug dealer. And she said, that's not me. Like the girl in the photo was not even her. And they said, oh, well. That's crazy. Yeah, oh, well. So they brought her in. So she told me a lot of what goes on or what was going on. And she was in for a night for me with me. But what happens is they come they bring someone in regardless if they're guilty or innocent or whatever it is. And they say, how much do you think you can get together to get out of here? And then they bring them a phone, a cell phone or whatever to call their family or whoever they call, I don't know, and make the arrangements. And then that person or the friend or whatever comes to the back door and brings the money and they let the person out. So, but I think because we caused this stink and, you know, the boss got involved and then how do you justify taking these people and taking their stuff? And so they were ha in Me Mexico, you're guilty until proven innocent instead of us innocent and proven guilty. Yes, and I've heard that. we don't really know that how that works, you know? So basically they were, you know, trying to make up some kind of proof in those two days, they had 48 hours to come up with something. And obviously they didn't. And we got a lawyer, like th it was a big thing in so these two days did, were you able to get your items back not yet w one thing one thing was released but my computer is still there you know they one thing i will say also i saw everything again bad but working out in my favor you see what i'm saying something crazy but still all of these things that show you that it's still working out in your favor because I, they also let me use this restroom, this washroom in like a nice part in the office. I didn't have to use like the cell washroom. I would ask to go and they would take me over here. So I went, would walk through this office and in this office, I just happened to see my passport and my computer in this office. So I knew we wouldn't have known that they had until we went back and checked our house, what items were taken and whatever. Sure. So I saw that they had my passport and my computer. So when I met with the lawyer, finally, after like two days on the second day before we were able to get out, I said, they have my passport and you have to get it for me because I'm getting out of here. And you, you wouldn't know? have known unless wouldn't have known if, unless I went through to that little washroom. So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, aspects of that story. And, you know, we did end up paying some money um, to get out, you know, before the 48 hours were up because we didn't want to 
risk it, whatever could happen in mm-hmm. those few hours. And we got out and um, went back to my apartment in which I didn't feel super safe and had, you know, my daughter was there with me. So I, I just, it wasn't, it's not worth your life, you know, stuff. No, absolutely not. So, um, so what did, what did you, what did you kind of learn from, from this? And I, there's a couple of things in my mind that I'm thinking about, but well, you know, I'm sure you've had time to think about this in retrospect. And I know you're the type of person to kind of, again, just like you said, in even while it was happening, you were your, you know, you were your authentic self and mm-hmm. you were helping and you were making friends. Like what, what, what have you learned from it? And I guess, you know, what, what did you take away from it? Um, I think again, it's the same, like, it's the same as everything else. It's, it's your reaction is going to determine the escalation or the calming of the situation. And that starts within you. So as soon as I made peace and stopped resisting and stopped freaking out and stopped panicking and remembered and remembered what I do and who I am and the life I've had and the energy that I hold and what I say that who I say I am, everything shifted and I knew that it was going to be okay. I didn't know how long I didn't, you know, I didn't, that's the other part that I don't get caught up in the how because that's not our part or the details. And that trips a lot of people up because you start, you can re-invoke or re, you know, initiate that panic or that doubtfulness or that worry. And that, you know, this is what I'm saying is like, you can look at me or, or look how I talk or the practices I teach or what I do and think it's just all rainbows and butterflies that I haven't had to put these things into practice. And like I said before, you don't have to have a big incident, like please, to put these things in practice, but I'm saying it works in all conditions is what I'm trying to say. And that you feel it within you though. It's not that you're looking at the external to get some kind of you know, um, help or salvation. Nobody's coming to save you. You have to do it first yourself, something in you, and then that affects the external results that you're getting or that somebody coming to help or showing up and bringing that you see what i'm saying just like Mm -hmm. before when i said about when i was sick and not you know um and then i got this little clue and that little clue it's the same thing so just because it looks crazy really really crazy doesn't mean it changes the laws or the principles in order to transform a situation so i learned that and um yeah, I I did learn that it is your perspective and and if you can stay true to that and no matter what that is the feeling that we're all looking for is that peace or that tranquility or that sureness or that security and I'm saying that's what I'm saying in the most insecure situation in the most dangerous and crazy situation you can still find security you can still find your own safety, your own, you know, whatever it is. And I'm saying like, the the more you can hold on to that, the more you start to see around you shift. And sometimes quickly and sometimes, yeah, there's a little lag, you know, it takes a little bit, but I'm saying the stronger you can hold it and get yourself locked in there. I, I, I can't say, I don't want to say I promise because I don't like those words necessarily. I'm not trying to promise, but I'm saying that 
it is so. Like, I, I don't know how else to say it. It is. It will be. It happens. You know, if you can do that, you will get your results. It's just that most of us don't do it hard, long enough, you know. And again, to be fair, the foundation, like I've practiced just like, you know, the guy in the Super Bowl or in the, the NBA finals and, you know, You've they practice a million, yeah, free throws. And you're on the line and there's like a booing crowd or waving those things and they hit the shot. But that's their foundation. It's the mental foundation. And then the mechanical, you know, also foundation that gets you through these things to the other side. And then on the other side, it is like a, a victory. You know, you do feel stronger. You have expanded yourself and you can never go back to that other state. You know, you've up-leveled in a way. So even you can't even pretend to contract back again a little bit, but it's not comfortable. It's more comfortable to be in that expanded state because you can't, you can't get denied. You know what I mean? Like once you experience something, you can't pretend you didn't experience it. No, you experienced absolutely. it. So I, I'm stronger for that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm stronger for that. And, um, yeah, I've asked a lot of questions around this, obviously. And also the, again, very grateful for, everything that I've created or I have in my surroundings in my life that support as well a healing of these things because regardless of who you are and regardless of your practices or whatever your nervous system takes a hit you know that's trauma oh that's for sure. like you know it goes in every cell of your being fear and you know your nervous system is really affected and that's like post-traumatic stress and all of those things so to again use your your spiritual technology or your practices or your meditation or your breathing and and some you know you you have access to to different resources or people or whatever I'll tell you what I did because it's another cool thing um to rewrite that episode in your nervous system and that's kind of what we were talking about the last time I talked to you too um was that everything is happening now so now, like right now, where's the past? You can't go there. I can't, I can't, where I can't find it. It's in my head. It's in my mind. So by retelling the story, which again, why I don't tell it that often, or I don't tell it to many people because I'm not trying to activate all of those emotions again. And you can see they're not so active. It doesn't activate so many, but there's still a few. There's still some, sure, yeah. you know, they're deep thing that, and, and that to me too is it's good sometimes to check in on that, to know what you still have to clean up because that is still affecting you in some kind of way. That's pain. That's strong. That's what I'm talking about, about the only reason someone's acting sideways or being crazy or violent or whatever, whatever they're doing, it doesn't matter. Something that is other than good is pain. So if we're not aware of that pain or we don't uncover it or, or, or learn to self-soothe or learn to find a way to, to yeah, soothe it and then release it, in, not in a destructive way against yourself or others. That's that's what we that's what we need to be doing here. So I don't retell it in that way because I'm bringing the past to now, and I've already rescripted that. I've already rerouted. I've already revised it in in my own system many times. And so um, the, it's a very powerful technique. Get some traditions call it revision. Some, you know, maybe it might be NLP. I don't know. They call it rescripting. But basically, it's under this, you know, belief and not a belief, knowing that everything is now. So if you rewrite 
a thing that happened now, then basically you've reinitiated, you started it in a different way in your system or on your timeline or in your, you know, where you're going to go to next. So instead of dragging that, that painful and traumatic and, and, uh, challenging thing forward with you, and then subsequently affecting all of your future stuff, you're cleaning it, almost like cleaning it up, rewriting it, rescripting it, reprogramming your nervous system and your brain to think of it differently, to not be activated by that trauma. So then therefore anything similar to, you know, that's like post-traumatic stress, anything similar to the event or looks like the person, you know, anything, your nervous system is on such high alert, like danger, danger, you know, freak out, freak out or do something, react, you know, get out of here, like whatever, panic attack, whatever it is, that's what's happening. It's just that you haven't rewritten, you haven't cleaned, you haven't, you know, taken care of your nervous system. That is really just trying to protect you. It's not trying to, again, not trying to break you down. It's not gone rogue. It's really just trying to keep you safe and alive. So it's, it's, it's doing its job, but it's, you know, it's not, we're not, it's, it's not necessary. We're not in fight or flight. Nothing is really happening. So we have to retrain that. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So I um, have been going to this brain training. I've been fortunate to yeah, you were be saying able to that. go to was- this. Yeah, it's called the BioCybernaut Institute. They have a location in Victoria, BC, uh, Sedona, Arizona, and there's uh, a location in Germany. So I've been several times to the one in Victoria and once to Sedona, but um, and I'm going back soon to Victoria. And so it's super helpful, very helpful because so brain training, you know, there's different frequencies in the brain and that people, they have them, you know, studied and they know the, the frequency of them that you can measure where mm-hmm. you're at in your brain. So mostly we're in, well, a lot we're in beta that's betas talking and figuring things out and sure. sometimes stressful, you know, beta. And so what training you generally start with at this place is alpha training. So alpha is that quiet, alert, meditative flow, Mm -hmm. joyful, you know, it's a nice state of being. Um, And most people have, can probably access it. They access it maybe without awareness or maybe on purpose too, but to sustain it and to know that you're there and, and what it feels like exactly. And, you know, the mechanisms and it's not even, that's not even the right word, but that you use to get there, you know, to get yourself there. That's this, it's a feedback training. So basically your brain is hooked up on an EEG. Like you have, you know, you're hooked up, like you're going. And, and so it goes into a, you know, there's a big server room or technical room. I don't know. It's like where the techs are. And this, this man, this scientist, this doctor, Dr. Hart, he um, has been doing this for at least 30 years and discovered a, a way to filter the brain waves so they get the data in and then the, what pumps back is the feedback is your brain waves are somehow filtered through some program that produce that produces sound so they're filtered back to you as sound so you have speakers oh, around your head and so if you're going let's say like this in the right direction. So if you're going more towards alpha or if you're producing, if your brain is producing higher or high states of alpha or higher than you were at, you know, that's your feedback. You're going in the right direction. So you hear sound, you hear instruments basically. So, sure. so, so 
it's like a symphony, you know, like your occipitals or the back of your brain would be, um, you know, a, a violin and this other part is flutes and this is oboe, you know, they, they all are assigned a specific, a specific instrument sound and they all work together like an orchestra. It's so cool. I mean, so really cool. is, is the brain training for you personally to figure stuff out or is it something that you're kind of going to bring like, so I'm curious cause it seems like there's there's this setup and like how does that so i'm trying to what what do you what are you getting out of it specifically like like you're in alpha Mm -hmm. so how does that how does it all work in terms of just knowing if you're you're doing it right and then is it kind of you that's just benefiting from it or are you gonna kind of repurpose it yeah, both. It's for yeah. it's for it's pro- like for your personal growth. Sure. But then, you know, and also being a twenty year meditator or whatever, it's cool to go in somewhere and see if you're actually doing what you think you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? You're getting you're getting yeah. that feedback. Yeah. To be like, which is cool. We like that. I like feedback and um, positive feedback or feedback. I'm a huge data geek. Yeah, and it's super geeky. It's so fascinating. The brain is fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. I loved it. I love to look at the raw data, the EEG, how your brain works, how alpha moves through the brain. You know why when I you know, when you try, <laughs> doesn't work. When you um, are, you know, get get an ego boost because you get a high score, you know, how it affects you drop down again. Like it's so subtle. It's so um, instantly responsive and super cool. So you really can't be trying. You actually have to be in that state of like not watching or, or hanging on to every thought. So a very like loose loose state and more in your heart in a feeling state really actually finding a positive feeling state like love or joy or tranquility or whatever it is if you can get in your heart and feel your brain responds and it produces more alpha so why people go here like this was developed i think more or it's from i mean many people go but or different people but Peak performance is what the buzzword is now. Like these, there's people using it for peak performance. So whether that's CEOs sure. or high performance athletes or or military of the United States have gone and done training there. There's a there's a lot of um, or maybe other countries. I don't know, but I just know he has it in his right. book with some U.S. Army guys. And so um, you know, people are using this for peak performance because if you if you know how to access that state without a doubt, that flow state, I mean, that creative state, that quiet alert state, it's a very effective state to be. It's a very nice state to be in. And so, you know, you're, you're basically training yourself. And I will say they have very good techniques. You know, they like, again, we need something, we need something to do. We need um, like a, a way to get there sort of, you know, like a right. practice or whatever. So they have very effective practices. That's why I was saying, you know, not long after this happened, I was able to go to the first training that I ever did with these people. And I was able to rewrite that script in the brain chamber with the feedback to know what state I was actually in and to observe my brain when I recalled the the activity because so one of their, this is so funny because, you know, these CEOs go, these, these high performing guys go and whatever. And 
they get there and one of the major techniques at this place that they like spring on the people because I don't know what the people think they're going to do. I'm here, la la, open for whatever, you know. It's 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 woo woo, it's out there. I don't care. Like I'm I'm in, you know? Yeah. And it's meditate I meditate so much. Some people go there have never meditated and you're in like a a soundproof, light proof chamber. It's a bit of a shock. Yeah, for hours sitting there with you and you. So me, me, I'm in heaven. Me, I love it. Yeah, you're like, okay, bring yeah, it. The, yeah, like, um, let me go explore. Let me see my consciousness. Let me stalk myself. Let me see where I can get to. Let me see where I can do, where I can go. So it's my own personal like rejuvenation and 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 sort of cleaning house or or improving house or whatever I'm doing. But but anyways, when you first get there, you don't know what to do or, or what you're doing. So even me, like I'm just in there. I don't know if I'm doing it right or they, they kind of let you glide a little bit and then they start to give some direction. So one of what I wanted to get to is one of the major, major techniques that they use that is prominent through all the training is forgiveness. That is the major, their major component. So you can imagine these like tough guys, these guys going and then they start saying, okay, well, really the most effective technique for you to learn to access your alpha is forgiveness. And people are like, what? Like, what do you mean? I'm, you know, even me, I wasn't like what, but I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm a really forgiving person. You know, I don't really hold anything against people. I, yeah, I'm good. Like I, I'm, I have a light heart. I'm clear. I don't think of people and think them negatively or anything like that. That's me. I was, that's what I was thinking. I'm there like, yeah, it's cool. Okay. Bring it on. What's, what do we do? So they have a way to do it. You know, they, there's a procedure and a sure. protocol so people can follow. So you're not in there just sort of forgive, uh, you know, you have a way to do it, which is cool. So, and th thanks to them, I've been able to, like you said, repurpose. I can teach people a way of doing the forgiveness because I know how effective is the forgiveness um, without the brain chamber. Like you don't need the feedback yeah, to know that you're say, doing is, it. How do you know you're an alpha you you don't necessarily have to know you're an alpha. You just have to know that you're love. You've gotten yeah. Love you get that state. feeling. Yes, a nice state. So basically, you can see how your brain responds. So what I was saying about this, oh, I'm cool, I'm cool. So then you start thinking like of major things. I mean, I just had had a major thing happen in my life. But not only that, like you think back to childhood, or there's incidents that stick out in your mind. You know what I'm saying? That you don't think are still affecting you, but you remember them. You know, like if you had a fight with your parents or somebody called you a name or, uh, you know, something happened in school and everybody was laughing or anything like that. You, yeah. We can all think of these things that your most embarrassing moment, whatever it is, you can think of these things and remember it. And like I'm saying, bring the past into the now. You bring it in the reaction and your nervous system gets all activated and everything all over again because your cells all remember. The nervous system remembers and tells everyone what's up. Hey, you know, on alert. So when you go in there and me, like go in there and you start and you recall, you have to recall the incident or bring the person in front of you in your mind, like right. in your mind's eye, obviously. And you, you get into the state, like you, you, you not try, but you remember the incident or the, or the words or whatever it is. And you see, just observe what happens. Like basically what's the pain, you know, am I angry? Am I insecure? Am I upset? Am I, you know, shamed? Am I, whatever it is, you know, you feel the pain. And so you, it's a protocol, right? So, but what you see is your brain tanks, like 
obviously, you know, and they, they tell you like, you can maybe bring something up. And if it's not that much of a charge, you might see that your brain is kind of like, okay, you know, it goes down, but it's sort of like not tanking like right. the alpha down through the floor and some things that I thought no big deal. Like, I don't care. I'm good. I forgive them. I don't think about it. Oh yeah. My brain was like, we got so even news when for you, you. Even when you, you think it, intellectually you've forgiven them yeah no big deal your even. brain is saying no <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> horrible and and not it's it's funny because i often think that forgiveness is uh, a close cousin to acceptance mm-hmm. and we were kind of talking about that like mm-hmm. accepting the struggle mm-hmm. and, and and that's for you know at least for me acceptance a lot of people think acceptance forgiveness is a passive thing it's really an active state Mm -hmm. and it's interesting you get into this zone where everything else can now come like the the taking action the intuition like all of these thoughts your your true self what you need to do next it starts to rush in after you've kind of accepted you know, the good, the bad, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you've forgiven people. Mm-hmm. It's so, again, it's just like you and, and using using data, you know, the, the acceptance forgiveness state is something that I think a, a lot of people overlook. But at least for me, I've realized that that is, that is it. Major key. Like, that's it. The, like you said, it's not passive, it's active. And guess who it's active for? You. Not the other. That's what people get tripped up on too. They think, well, now I'm accepting this person or I'm accepting their actions. No, 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 no. You're doing it for you. It's for you. So that's what I was going to say too, is that what I noticed is that when I started doing this, because after you, you have an assigned amount of time that you're allowed to sort of feel the pain. It's mm-hmm. really just two minutes. Like that's the max here. You know, they're like, okay, one, you know, you have a, there's a protocol I told you. So they're good on it. You know, like here, that's it. And yeah. then now you move to forgiving through to love or forgiving, you know, forgiveness. And, and it's love is the state that we're going for. But again, that can be a process. It can take a few times. It can be layers. Like it's, you know, you're uncut, like the onion, you're uncovering all of these layers. Exactly. But yeah. it is active but not an active action. It's, it's a state of being that you, that you are doing because it feels better to be in that state of being. And like we are saying, if you are in anything other than that, who, who knows what you're creating from that state. But if you're in, can get yourself to that forgiveness, acceptance, calm state of being, like you said, everything else rushes in and then you can know what's the best step to take. And it is going to be for your betterment or benefit or for the thing that you say you want rather than, you know, a defensive or protective or a, you know, a, just an action to take an action type of a, a way of being, which most people are operating in because of all of this pain. So I'm, I wanted to say that your alpha waves go through the roof. Like after you, I mean, depending on, I guess, who you are and how big is the pain, but I'm talking from my personal experience, certain things that I even thought were no big deal. Like, yeah, there's big deals that I had to bring in, like the, you know, Mexico and all of that stuff. But then when you get to the forgiveness side, you just, the benefit of having that feedback is you see how the brain reacts. Like you see that it goes from tanking to like going maybe higher than you got before just sitting there meditating. 
you know you get in interesting you, get, you can get to this really heightened state through this releasing like you're saying so the visual that i got when i was in there doing it it's like you have these tentacles like you're like an octopus and you're trying to like hold all these holes in your brain or your nervous system this is just the visual i got really sure yeah like you're like straining and holding all these things these things you're really like straining and you're trying to keep them all and you're there's a new leak and you're pressing and pressing pressing and it's a, a losing game but really if you just took the tentacles off and let it flow just like you're saying it flows and you don't, you don't have to, it's a rush, you know, you let it keep flowing and flow on through and then it's calm Then it's gone. Then you're not straining. You're not trying to hold all these things down or like you're trying to hold a beach ball under the water. You know, it keeps, it's hard work. It keeps pumping up. So if you just let it go and float or let the, the you know, take your little fingers off all the little plugs, your little tentacles and let it flow, you have an opportunity for something different to come in or you, you're not using up all of your energy holding the stuff in place because yeah, you don't want it to hurt you or you don't want it to happen again or whatever it is. And it's such, I don't want to say like BS because I know stuff happened. Stuff did actually happen, you know? But what I'm saying is it's not for, it doesn't have to be forever. You can fix it. You can change it like yeah. in, a, in an instant. And you're in that state of flow. And, and the way just to add to that, you know, I've looked at things like, well, I'm going to show this person or it's a, like, again, we go back to that struggle. It's a struggle. Well, I'll prevail. It's a, almost a, like a fight. And, and then I've gone the other way where I've said, just embrace it, forget, you know, just, just accept it. So it's releasing the tentacles. It's just saying, okay, really? It's good. Mm -hmm. I'm in a struggle, but you stop fighting. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean. When you relax mm -hmm. and you just, you accept it and then move, you start, things start to happen uh, in your life. Well, anything that I feel like anything you're resisting, like anything you're pushing against is pushing back at you. Like that's just what happens. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it too. And, and, and this is like, I noticed this a lot in our world and whatever, people are fighting things, you know, like, they're, 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 they have a cause or whatever, and, but it's in such a resistant energy. And I'm saying like, you're doing the exact same energy as the thing you're saying that you don't want or don't like. You're having that energy. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes, I don't want to say confronting because I'm not being like that, but I mean, it's the truth is what I'm saying. That's not the way to affect people. That's not the way to get people to change is push and and force and and show how they're wrong it's more it has to be softer and loving and then because if your point is to be heard or to make a change or do something different so i'm talking about this with causes whatever but i'm also talking about this with yourself sure you know like if you are doing something in a forceful or resistant way or an accepting soft and soft and loving way an inviting way what one sounds better what one feels better if you want to be heard, even if you're not going to agree, or even if you don't come to an agreement with someone, really what most people want to be is heard and felt validated for their opinions or, or the way that they see it. And, and that's not really done in a forceful or resistant way. 
You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So it's the same thing within yourself. If you're like holding with all this tension to try and behavior modify yourself to get yourself to do something different, that's not going to work. It's not the way to do it. You have to find a way to be inviting, accepting, loving, and then see. Speaking of just the opinions, what have you changed your mind about recently? I have one. <laughs> I'm like, I, I change my, I keep my mind pretty open about most things. And you might think that this is really funny what I'm going to say, but what I've changed my mind about recently, like the big prominent thing that comes out of my mind is the Bible. Okay. Isn't that crazy that I'm saying that? Well, maybe it is. I don't think so. Okay. But uh, yeah, you do. Because, but it's the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I've changed my mind about the Bible because... So in what way? Well, I didn't understand it before. I didn't understand it. And so um, it's, you know, I studied divine spiritual wisdom and I do have a mentor and um, we learn a lot of uh, deep things, you know, universal laws and different stuff. But the Bible, I think... I, you know, I had a part of my family was Catholic and one side of my family and I had, I had exposure to the church when I was young and I, I just didn't always get it. And it didn't always resonate with me like certain things, you know, certain stories and it didn't make sense. Sure. Like the Bible didn't really make sense to me. And even the way they were explaining it. And if you know how I've been all of my life, I was very curious and also, you know, not just going to go along with the status quo because that's what people were telling me. I was like, that doesn't make any sense and it doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel kind of good. You know, like you're saying God is this and God is that. And it doesn't feel good like that though, you know? And, and I don't understand your God. I don't understand the God that you're trying to tell me that is like this, 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 you have to be fearful and all of this stuff. I was really resistant is what I'm saying. I did. I had resistance Again, around resistance, right? It's around religion, around the Bible and whatever. And so recently, <laughs> um, in the last little while and through s some, some seeds of my planted by my teacher and the knowledge that he's been imparting to us. And then also some other teachings that I am, that I've been, um, studying, I've been really loving the scriptures and I'm telling you that I wouldn't I really like I am not religious. Not that there's anything, you can be any religion. You, I, doesn't matter to me, whatever floats your boat, whatever makes you happy. I'm good with that truly. And I was not religious and I didn't get the Bible. And, and I'm saying that the scriptures are so cool. Like it is my newest obsession I'm telling you because they are so you're, ma you're making the Bible cool again. It's so profound. The Bible is freaking cool. It's so cool. If you, if you've been, if you are, um, I don't know the word, like it's not even, I don't want to be like blessed, you know, if you're blessed because I'm not trying to be uh, stereotypical in that way. I mean, because I'm trying to say if you've had someone or if you've been, um, fortunate enough to come across someone that can explain it to you in the way that it's meant to be understood, it changes the game. Like if someone truly understands what it means, because when you read it, it doesn't make, it really doesn't make sense. It's weird. It's, it's like 
some crazy stuff in there that you're like, oh, what? Like, this sounds really scary or violent or, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make, nailing a man to a cross, like, it's crazy. It's pretty crazy. But when you have the wisdom or someone that, you know, um, embodies the scriptures, because basically that's what it is. It's like the story of us. The Bible is the story of us. And Jesus Christ, the story of us, like us as man, Mm -hmm. really. And if, and if you have the, you know, the, the um, fortune to come across someone or even, I guess, by your own investigation. But I, I just think it's nice to have a teacher, you know, that understands and then is imparting this wisdom and, and sparking that sort of light within you to go investigating yourself or teaching you how to interpret things, how to see things, what certain things are code for, what this, when you see this show up in in the Bible, but maybe sometimes in other stories that are famous that we've that we all know and love, but we're not interpreting in the way that it truly is meant to be interpreted, which is a story of consciousness, a story about us and our expanding consciousness. And it's really cool. So there you go. There you go, people. Uh, The Bible is going into my radio host voice. (laughs) The Bible is now cool. The Bible is always cool, but I just didn't know it. So now I'm happy to know that it's, you know, a wealth of, fascinating information and i mean it might be fascinating for some people who just read it literally and take it literally and that's how they you know brings them solace or that's what they like to do it's fine but i it just i dig when things are you have to like you know dig in get in there and 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 dissect it and unpack it and but but once you just start then you are like i get i can not i get it you don't just get it like that but you start to see how how to interpret you start to see how you can interpret the rest of it exactly you 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 didn't understand it and then once you kind of know the language things kind of reveal and and become or at least are different than what you had initially thought exactly so (laughs) we you know kind of the to close this down i usually like to well I, i shouldn't say usually I I want to end with with this before I I ask kind of how people and we'll put everything in the show notes but how people can kind of get in contact with you but you know what's what would you say is the most misunderstood thing about you in other words what do you think other people misunderstand about you the most hmm I don't know. I know, I don't really think about what other people, I, I have worked on not thinking about what other people think about me. Which number one could be an answer in itself. Uh-huh. I would, if I was to think about it or, or feel into it a little bit. Um, but I don't know if this is a misinterpretation. I should just be making it up. But I, I'm thinking that uh, I sometimes can seem indifferent to things that may be very dramatic or emotional or, mm, you know, yeah. Like when people want a participation on a drama or something that is very, you know, a big deal maybe to a lot of people. You don't pick it up. I don't have the same reaction. So I think sometimes depending on where what frequency that person is at, it could seem cold, it could seem, you know, from where they're standing, that could seem like, I don't care. 
in a way. But it's that I care so much about me. I love me so much and I love you so much. I love them so much that I, 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 I refuse to go down into that and participate with that because I know that that's not who you are. And I'm just here waiting for you. And that's not you. what they need. No, and I'm here waiting for you in this loving, you know, so much love in this loving frequency. Whenever you're ready, I'm here. I'll talk about it when you're in that state. So that that's the only thing I can kind of come up with is is that I, I could see sometimes maybe when people want a participation or they're in a state of freaked out state or a, a fearful or scared or angry, angry, insultive, you know, all that, and I don't participate, that could be misinterpreted as not caring or indifferent. Well, I think that's a pretty good answer for not really thinking about it ever. <laughs> so where can people kind of reach you what's that one <laughs> i'm working on it <laughs> what's that one you know it could be a site or you know on social where's the one place that you you kind of hang out the i most? hang out on instagram is is out of all the i haven't been on facebook in probably three and what's, years what's your handle i'll put it in the show notes it's but. nami joe nam yoga is the yoga that i i i am as my community um and so I just took the Nam of the Nam Yoga, and we, as practitioners of Nam, affectionately call each other and ourselves Namis. Okay. Like we're Namis, so I'm Nami Joe. Okay. And I made up that name when Instagram very first started. So you know, give me a break. It's what it's what no, I came up with at that moment. Um, I've you know, seen I've, I've seen other interesting ones. Um, so yeah, I will. You can put it in the show notes to spell it because there's two A's in Nam. And also I, um, you know, I've thought of changing. I see people changing from, you know, old handles to like their name or something more professional, but I just haven't done it. I, I just, I just think it's cute. I like it. So I'm just, I just keep it. And so that's mostly where I hang out. Uh, really people can find me there. I don't post a lot. I'm I am starting to post more and I post more on my stories than I do on my actual wall or whatever you call it on Instagram, your timeline. I don't know what it is. Um, so, but I'm there. I like Instagram. Okay. Yeah. And I have a website. Yeah. I, I, it's there. It's like a splash page. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. well, I'll, like I said, I'll put everything in the show notes. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you want to hang out with, uh, Jody? She'll, uh, she'll be on Instagram. <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to share? Thanks so much, Mitch, for having me. No, it was a real pleasure. And thanks for sharing mm -hmm. your, your story. Of course. Thank you. Well, that's it for this session. For those of you who made it this far, thank you so much. Quick reminder, the show notes will be available on my website at mitchellfanning.com. And at this stage of the game, I really only have two small requests. Number one, I'd really love to get your feedback. And you can do that by either going to iTunes and leaving a review or contacting me via email or social. Just use the hashtag MitchCast. Again, all of this can be found on my website. Because like I said before, it's really going to be your feedback that's going to give me the oxygen to keep me going in the early stages and to improve the show. Because ultimately, I want this to be something that you'll also get value from. Last but not least, if you know somebody who might be interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out and let me know as well. That's it. That's all. Until next time, thank you so much. <laughs>